the fourth Sunday after Trinity, July 5th, 2020. Let us pray. O Lord, grant that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by your governance that your church may joyfully serve you in all godly quietness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday after Trinity is from the book of Genesis, the 50th chapter. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of the Lord. Make atonement for our sins, O Lord, lest the nations say, Where is their God? Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, deliver us. The epistle is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the eighth chapter. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, 
and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is the Gospel of the Lord. We confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. O God, my faithful God, true fountain ever flowing, without whom nothing is, all perfect gifts bestowing, give me a healthy frame, and may I have within a conscience free from blame, a soul unstained by sin. Grant me the strength to do with ready heart and willing whatever you command, my calling here fulfilling that I do what I should while trusting you to bless the outcome for my good, for you must give success. 
Keep me from saying words that later need recalling. What guard me last idle speech may from my lips be falling. But when within my place I must stand out to speak, then to my words give grace, lest I offend the weak. Nor let me win my foes with kindly words and actions, and let me find good friends for counsel and correction. Help me as you have taught to love both great and small, and by your Spirit's might to live in peace with all. Let me depart this life, confiding in my Saviour. By grace receive my soul, that it may live forever. And let my body have a quiet resting place, within a Christian grave, and let it sleep in peace. And on that final day, when all the dead are waking, stretch out your mighty hand, my deathly slumber breaking. Then let me hear your voice, redeem this earthly frame, and bid me to rejoice with those who love your name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus would not have you judge one another. Here it would appear as though Jesus is in line with the world around you, for neither are you permitted to judge by the world. But the world hates Jesus, as he himself says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The world hates him. The world hates his word. And therefore, the world also hates you. It seems strange, therefore, that on this point, 
the world would love Jesus and cling to what he says. It seems strange because it is strange. Apart from the church, you cannot know or understand the scriptures. The world around you that is not of the church takes these words with no understanding. And the world has transformed these words, in which it does not believe, into perhaps the most misunderstood and misquoted words in all of Scripture. For the world does not know the words, even as it refuses to know him who spoke them. The simple truth is that with these words, Jesus does not, in fact, condemn judging at least of a certain kind. These words are not a free pass for sin, dishonorable living, or unfaithfulness. They are not the retort of the offended or the indignant response against reality. Jesus commands that a Christian judge. He says, judge with righteous judgment. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. He says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Indeed, even his apostles taught quite plainly, you shall judge righteously. A court of law has the responsibility to judge. Parents have the responsibility to judge their children. Pastors have the responsibility to judge doctrine and practice. All Christians have the responsibility to judge what they hear or see against what they know to be true. The Christian must judge. He must judge what is right and wrong, what is godly and what is sinful. He must judge which fruit is good and which is bad. Yet you are not left on your own in determining which is which. For Jesus has given you the standard by which you are able to judge and to discern. You shall show no partiality when reproving transgressions. Jesus tells you that you must judge because you are a Christian, but also in these words from St. Luke, that you ought not judge because you are a Christian. Yet there is no contradiction. Consider what has already been said. You are to judge actions, behavior, and teachings, all things external. These are what you witness, what you see, and what you know. Judge them as such. However, do not deem to play God, even as you judge the visible by his standard. It is not your responsibility to judge the heart or to judge the validity of repentance. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Where is the room for judgment when your brother comes to you on hands and on knees begging for forgiveness? There is none.
You are not God. Do not pretend to be. The key to understanding Jesus' words about judgment lie, as always, in the context of his words. For he says, Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful, and forgive, and you will be forgiven. The parallel example selected by Mother Church to accompany these words could not be more apt in illustrating this very point. The brothers who hated Joseph, who abandoned him, who sold him into slavery, and who forgot him, now come before him to beg for his forgiveness, even after having already received it years earlier. Thus he weeps, for he is grieved that they think so little of his love for them. These brothers, as excellent as coming up with fresh ideas as they ever have been, make an unsubstantiated claim to Joseph. Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Joseph does not judge the truth or the worth of this statement. Does it matter if Jacob, his father, really made this bid? Does it change anything about Joseph's relationship to his brothers? It does not, and he knows it. What is the worth of questioning the statement when he sees the burdened hearts and consciences of his brothers laid bare before him? They come to him as repentant sinners, begging for his mercy and for his forgiveness. He does not judge their sincerity. He simply offers them mercy, just as the Lord had offered it unto him. Here is the most significant theological point of the encounter. The Hebrew and the Greek are not the same. They are complementary, but they are different. Indeed, the Greek text answers the question Joseph asks in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, Joseph asks, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Yet in the Greek, he answers, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. What is one to make of this difference? Well, two things should be apparent. First, Joseph defers to God when it comes to judgment of wrath against sins. He is not in the place of God to execute divine wrath or to consume sins, nor is he in the place of God to examine hearts or motives. However, in a second sense, he is, in fact, in the place of God through faith. While it is still not his responsibility to execute wrath, it is his responsibility in the place of God to act as God acts, by forgiving sins in grace and mercy to all who come to him with repentant hearts. If you judge the heart, you cannot know. If you judge the motives, 
you cannot know. If you judge the thoughts, the words, the intents which you cannot know, of him who kneels before you in repentance, you heap coals upon your own head. The Lord will give to you what you have done to your brother. In acting as God, you drive yourself further away from him and you pour poison down the throat of your own heart. The Lord's judgment upon you will be the fulfillment of the poison you drank yourself in your proud disdain for the repentant brother at your feet. You are to be merciful as your Father is merciful, a mercy seen, comprehended, and received in the flesh of his Son, Jesus Christ. He stands in the place of God to judge and he does so because he is God. But he is merciful and he is just. You are to be like him because you are made like him by your union with him. You are to be kind, sincere, merciful, and full of forgiveness. Your kindness and your love ought to spring from an eternal fountain, never running dry. Your deeds from such a fountain will many times be as water poured upon the sand. But it is not your place to judge that or to limit the flow of this fountain. It is only your place to offer mercy to those who seek it, offer kindness to all, and offer forgiveness to the repentant who seek it of you seven times, seventy times, unto an infinite sum. Acknowledge good fruit and bad fruit and judge it accordingly, as is your responsibility. There is no love the sinner, hate the sin in the Christian life, as if you could turn a blind eye to sin. Yet, recognize in yourself all the while the very same sinner you are so tempted to condemn yourself. You will never lose forgiveness by giving but you will lose it by hoarding it. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. As you judge and discern right and wrong, remember the mercy you have received and that which is your duty to distribute. Love as your Father has loved. Be merciful as your Father has been merciful. Forgive as your Father has forgiven, not with conditions or with judgments, but with free and unbridled grace in the person of Christ. In this same Jesus Christ, you are in the place of God to your neighbor, for Christ lives in you and is made manifest in your deeds of love. Judge what you have been given to judge, and judge not what has not been given that good measure and grace might overflow from your bosom in the love of Christ. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in our Lord Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the Holy Church of God throughout the world, 
for faithful preaching and right administration of the holy sacraments, for the steadfastness, courage, and long-suffering of all pastors, for an increase in laborers to send forth into the harvest, and for an increase in devotion among the saints of God, let us pray to the Lord. For perseverance in the faith, for the faithful catechesis and formation in the faith for all catechumens, both young and old, for an increase in mercy, for words of blessing and not curses, and for a reawakening of faith within our nation, let us pray to the Lord. For our country and its rulers, for all who serve within her to protect her, for all who defend her across borders, for an end to all unrest and violence, for peace, civility, and unity, for justice, for the vindication of the righteous and the punishment of evil, and for the preservation of all lives and all liberties, let us pray to the Lord. For relief from harm and deliverance from evil, for all the persecuted and the martyred, for the sojourner and stranger, for the homeless and the unemployed, for the marginalized and oppressed, for enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, for mercy to all, and for the true repentance of all, let us pray to the Lord. For an end to suffering and disease, for the homebound and infirm, for the sick and distressed, especially Cindy, Gordon, Sandra, Shelley, Cade, Ramona, Joel, Anita, Randy, Sue, Glenn, Gail, Courtney, Joe, and Dana. For peace and comfort to those near death, and for all who mourn, let us pray to the Lord. For favorable weather, for an increase in abundance of the fruits of the earth, for protection from natural disaster, for thanksgiving in all things, and for the rich rewards of dominion over creation, let us pray to the Lord. For hearts of true faith to receive the precious body and blood of Christ, for the transformation of barren hearts into fruitful trees of faithful work, for forgiveness and for the love of the neighbor through this holy meal, let us pray to the Lord. Almighty Father, everlasting God, you have given manifold gifts to your church in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you did not spare, but sent to the cross to offer an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We give you thanks for the holy vine of David, your servant, made known to us in Christ, and for the life and knowledge that you have granted in him. Just as this bread is gathered together from countless scattered grains, so may your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom by this same Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> 